Philippians 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Really, like I said, we're just going to cover verse 1. And there's so much I almost thought about splitting into two. But we actually just earlier this year did six sermons, maybe seven on worship and rejoicing in the Lord. So I thought, well, we could probably just do one sermon on this. There's a lot here. There's, there's a lot uh, that's important. Let's start just by noticing something. Let's start by noticing that we want God's priorities to be our priorities. And we've said this before, and I think this might be one of the main things that we hit over and over and over again and again. It's so important. We want God's priorities to be our priorities. So let's look at verse 1 again. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me, and it is safe for you. So Paul here is repeating himself. We've actually already talked about rejoicing repeatedly throughout Philippians, and this isn't the last time he's going to say it, so we're going to cover it again. But he wants the Philippians to know something. He wants them to rejoice in the Lord. And he wants them to know that so much so that he's fine repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and emphasizing it. Why? Because it's a priority. It's important. And he wants God's priorities to be their priorities. It's easy to slip into making secondary things primary things. And we don't want that. We want God's priorities to be our priorities. What if... What if we missed it? What if we got some of the secondary things right and we missed the primary things? We missed the main things. That would be very sad. We would lose everything, right? What if we missed the gospel? What if we didn't know the gospel? We were off on the gospel and we got everything else right. What would we have? We wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't be right with God. We wouldn't really know Jesus Christ. We wouldn't really have the Spirit. Missing the main things for secondary things is tragic. There's a, there's a story, I think I've maybe told this before, about the Challenger. You remember the Challenger? Some of you, actually it was before I was born. I don't remember it, but, and I know some of the college kids don't remember it, but some of you, I'm sure, remember it happening. And behind the scenes, what actually happened with the Challenger, it was a shuttle, NASA shuttle. There was a couple guys who were contractors for NASA, and they went in and they had a big meeting. They said, we need to have an urgent meeting with all the heads of NASA. And they said, 
it's too cold. The shuttle's going to explode. Here's why. Here's the O-rings. They're made of this. This is the temperature where they turn this, you know, characteristic. And if you, sh if you launch tomorrow, it's going to explode and everybody's going to die. And everybody, every, all the important people were there and they were listening to these two guys saying, stop the shuttle, stop the shuttle. And they said, no. The NASA executives were like, no, we're, we're going ahead with it. And the reason they did, presumably, we don't know for certain, but it seems like one of the reasons they did was Reagan had said that he was going to mention it in a big speech. And they didn't want to push it off because they already pushed it off. I think they'd already pushed it off once, if I remember right. So it seems like one of the big things, one of the big pushes was not safety, was the president is going to be mentioning this as an example of, you know, U.S. can do, and we don't want to uh, push it off again. And so they launched it, even though those guys told him not to, these two guys. And I, I listened to an interview with one of the guys. I think he's in his 80s or 90s now. But he went home to his wife and... He sat down at the kitchen table and he said, they're all going to die. And he was just devastated, actually. His whole life really bothered him and kind of had a mental breakdown. But that's a great example, worldly example, of you miss the main thing and you choose a secondary thing. Reagan mentioning the challenger in his speech is not worth, you know, however eight people, I think it was. Uh, don't quote me on that. If, you know, the lives of anyone, Right. And yet, they did. They had the wrong priorities, and it was tragic. And we, we don't want to miss. We don't want to have a huge shuttle with all these little pieces. Everything's just right. We've got, you know, calibrated just right. Everything's perfect to the, you know, thousandth of an inch. And then you have the wrong priority, and it explodes everything. It doesn't matter. In the end, instead of causing good, it caused tragedy. And we can do that. We can miss the main things, and we don't want to. So we've got to have the Bible. How do we decide? How do we decide what the main things are? The Bible, God himself has to tell us what the main things are, that we have to recognize, myself and you as a culture, we, even in Christianity, evangelical Midwestern Christianity, have been given priorities, and we have to examine those according to the Bible. Okay, I've got these priorities, and many times in my mind, they're kind of beneath the surface. I've kind of absorbed them without even consciously considering them, but I've got these priorities, and then ask myself, are these God's priorities? And that this verse is a great example because rejoicing isn't something I would think we need seven, eight messages on a year, this year. Uh, the reason that we have done that is because it comes up so much in the Bible, and it's shocking to me how much it does come up. I mean, even look here, verse three. He gives three. He gives three characteristics of a true Christian, the true circumcision. Two of the three are really about worship. We worship by the Spirit of God, and glory in Christ Jesus, or boast in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Those aren't the three I would have chosen. It's surprising. If you were going to say, tell me three things about a true Christian. For me, I just wouldn't have put worship in. But when you think about it, when you see it, you see, yeah, that is important. That is big. That is huge. 
What's one of the main evidences of a new heart, of a changed heart, is here's Jesus, and he is so wonderful. I can't help but worship him. He's, he's glorious. He's better than all that I had, all that I was living for, just like we were talking about, renounced in, in the song we just sang. I can't remember the line exactly, but basically, he's worth renouncing all, that, all the sin that I had, that I used to live for. Jesus is worth it. He's wonderful. And so we want our priorities to be God's priorities. The Bible repeats a few things over and over and over and over and even gives us verses that show us what's first, what's second, what's primary, what's secondary. 1 Corinthians 13 comes to mind. You can have knowledge, you can have gifts, you can have giving, and if you miss love, you missed everything. So we've got to have these passages that give us first things first and God's priorities. We've got to have them, we've got to know them, and we've got to follow them. We've said that before. I think we'll probably repeat that again. I want to give you one more example. One more example in terms of a story. And I've shared this before as well. But I just read a story earlier this year, a couple of months ago, of an eight of a guy in eight, the eighteen hundreds in Scotland, and he the first time he heard that some, you know, he heard he heard someone preach about election, and that some people would forever be with the Lord, and some people forever would be in hell apart from God forever. His response was to break down in tears and weep, and he ended up not taking you know the position that you know, we as a church believe, which is that God really does choose. Uh, election really means election. And he, before Jacob and Esau did anything good or bad, God loved Jacob and he hated Esau. You know, uh, he, he rejected that. He, he ended up rejecting, taking the wrong position on election. But it showed me something. It really hit me when I heard that story because he had the main thing right, which was love for people. Right? If you had to choose between two, love and getting the right position on election, which is secondary, right? you choose love. Right, You aim for love. I would much rather, as a church and as an individual, miss some of these secondary things but have the main thing. If we had, if we had a, a, a bunch of these secondary things wrong and we were weeping over the loss, that would be so much better than giving the right answer, here's the verses, I can explain it, and never shedding a tear over the loss, never shedding a tear over the reality of eternal hell. Right? That would be horrible. And yet, we can get in our minds that that's the main thing. Right? Well, this and this and this, and not even realize, for me, it didn't even hit me. Wow. There is a lot of talk about these things, like they're so important, and there's not a lot of tears. We've got to have reality. In, in the main things. And so, that's what we want. We want our priorities to be God's priorities. We, we have to know first things first and second things second. We have to get it right. Well, what are God's priorities? Look at verse 1 again. If we read this over and over every point, you might, might have it memorized by the time we're done. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. It's safe to repeat those main things. It's some things it's safe to just say them again and again and again and again. 
what are God's priorities? Well, one we see, second thing we see is that God's priorities are internal, not external. Internal, not external. You can contrast verse 2 and verse 3 with this as well. But the main thing we're focusing on today is the command to rejoice. The command to rejoice is something internal. That you might think about it externally. You might think rejoice is having a smile on your face or singing as you walk down the street or whistling as you walk down the street. But it's actually not. Rejoice is something internal that you could have, uh, depending on your you know, demeanor, you might have a very serious looking face. You might look less rejoicing than other people and yet be more rejoicing on the inside. That some of that is just how God made you. you know. Uh, there's people that smile all the time and they're unhappy. They're not rejoicing, just naturally. And there's people that their face looks more serious and they could be rejoicing. It's something internal. And God's priorities are internal, not external. What God wants for you is not mainly external things. He wants something internal. Things that you could do, lying in a bed, sick and unable to move or talk, you can please God. His priorities are still available to you to fulfill, to walk in, and, and, and to live out because they're internal. Think about Jesus and the Pharisees, all those interactions. We could sum them up, really, with God's priorities are internal, not external. Right? You clean the outside of the cup, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You do, you know, you you follow these commandments. You strain it in that, but you uh, you swallow a camel because you miss the big things, the internal things. You do all these things, but you neglect the love of God and mercy. And so, the whole Bible is priorities of internal, not external. And this specifically is an attitude, an attitude of rejoicing. And if we stop and think, we know that internal matters more than external, right? I mean, just in general, not just in Christianity. We could, it is true from the Bible, but just think, step out of your, uh, step out for a second outside the, the Christian bubble, and just think of the secular workplace. What kind of employees do you love to work with? People that get it all right and have a terrible attitude? No. I would much rather at work, work with somebody who has a great attitude, has the right attitude, and is, is slower at their work, makes more mistakes, but they're open to correction, and, and they're rejoicing, they're happy to be there, than the person that is really good at their job and has a really bad attitude. Same for students, right? Uh, if I got to choose a student that had a great attitude, wanted to learn, and struggled and struggled and struggled, and it took ten times more work, than with most students or somebody who was really intelligent that had a terrible attitude, I would sit, I would prefer and enjoy and be able to be a better teacher to the person who had the good attitude. And that happens repeatedly. It's the same in all in a lot of our area, areas of life. Doctor, um, employee, child, as a child, you know, raising children. Children, if you're trying to zone in on this, your parents. One of the ways you could honor your mom and dad is to listen and, and obey with a good attitude. Every day, if you woke up and you said a prayer, maybe before you got out of bed, God, help me today to have a right attitude, that would change everything in the house. I mean, you could, you could make a thousand mistakes, you know. 
drop the milk jug and a gallon of milk goes everywhere. But if you've got a good attitude all day long, it's so much better for you and for the for your parents. It's the same way. Those are all examples here, but on this life, horizontal examples. But think about vertically. What we're saying is God's the same way. God looks down, and what matters to Him is internal. Your attitude. You can have the right attitude, and that pleases God. God is looking down, and as you walk through the day, He's not thinking, here's this external checklist. Did they read their Bible? Check. Did they pray? Check. He's, he's thinking, what about your attitude? You know, church coming and being a part of a body of believers, is that the big thing? Or is it the attitude and how we come and how we interact and how we worship? Is it just singing the words or is it our heart? God is looking at the internal. He wants us to rejoice in Him throughout the day. I just want you to think about this with me. I was thinking about myself. I really do have really absorbed and really slip into believing God is looking at the externals. I wouldn't say that to myself. If I had to say it, I might realize, wait, no, that's not right. But in my mind, subconscious almost, I slip into leaning into the externals. In if I was to describe my underlying feeling that you know doesn't come out in words usually, I would really say this, the fruit of the spirit is reading your bible every day, praying every day, especially at dinner, going to church and listening to the right pastors, especially you know there's certain ones that if you're really spiritual, those are the ones you listen to, like Martin Lloyd-Jones. Right? That that sounds silly, but the reality is you kind of start to believe some of that, which isn't true. No, that's true. We shouldn't say things like, they've got to be a Christian. They've read all Martin Lloyd-Jones. They like to read Martin Lloyd-Jones. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. You could read Martin Lloyd-Jones and not be a Christian. That's not what the Bible says. Like That's totally looking at the externals. You cannot like Martin Lloyd-Jones and be a Christian. And other pastors... And that's okay. The fruit of the Spirit is all internal. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Think about how, how internal those things are. When you have self-control, somebody says something, and you shut your mouth, and you don't say anything, it is external, but it's internal, right? Somebody might not even realize. The reality is, God is looking at the internal. We've got to get that in our hearts and and preach that to ourselves every day because it's easy to slip back into it. It's where we've all come from. At least it seems to be that the bent of natural man is to lean into the externals and feel, I read my Bible today. I pray today. Today's going well. And the reality is you could read your Bible and pray and miss all the big things. What if your heart wasn't in it? What if you aren't rejoicing in the Lord? What if you aren't loving to people, not loving God, but you do all the externals and you kind of lean on that and you feel good about that? That's scary. We don't want that. We don't want to check all the outward boxes and miss what really matters to God. Imagine meeting God on the last day and feeling really good. God, I did this, I gave, I read, I, I 
I prayed every day. I was really good about it. Every single day. I literally checked it off of my mental box. Check, check, check. And God said, you missed the big things. I said I wanted you to rejoice in me always. 99 out of 100 days, you, you, you did the external, but you missed the big things. That would be so sad. God's priorities are internal, not external. What else? What God wants for you is, what's the internal priorities? Godward? Otherward? And then, at last, yourself. Yourself comes last. I'm taking that from verse 2 and 3. Rejoice in the Lord, that's Godward. God's command to rejoice in the Lord, that means what does your internal attitude, what does God want it to be? He wants it to be Godward. He wants you to be, as you go through your day, thinking about God, rejoicing in Jesus, rejoicing in the Lord throughout the day. Our attitude should be Godward. But it should also be otherward. Otherward. We're not putting confidence in the flesh. We're not putting some we're not looking to ourself. We're looking outward. We're looking upward to God and we're looking outward for others. That's really a summary from the last couple weeks, really. We talked about loving God, loving others, otherness, not grumbling is one of the ways we talked about last week. This is kind of a little silly, but if it's helpful, then it's helpful. So... One person said it like this, joy is J as an acronym, J-O-Y, Jesus, then others, and then yourself, in that order. And that's what joy is. And I thought that's kind of hokey, but it's pretty good. Because if you get that right, if that's really, get that right every day, that's a big deal. Jesus, rejoicing in the Lord, then others, how, how can I serve others? And then finally, putting yourself last. Counting others is more significant. That's joy. Well, that's helpful. If it's helpful to you, remember it. If you think it's kind of hokey, just forget I said it. <laughs> we want to rejoice in the Lord. We want to know that God's priorities are outward. God's priorities are not outward. God's priorities are inward, internal, not external. And we want to put God first. I want to be thinking about God throughout the day. So then let's move into how do we apply this? Well, there's a lot of ways we could apply this verse. But let's try and be practical. Let's, let's just try and be practical. How can we do this? How can we make God's priorities our priorities? Now let me ask you this. Be honest, okay? Think with yourself. You don't have to shout out loud or anything, but really think. Do I put more priority on some of these external things every day than I do on what, what this verse actually says. Rejoice in the Lord. Do I really feel like if I sit down and I read my Bible, and that's it, I just sit there and I read it, that that is really important? Do I think about that more as a priority than rejoicing in God every day? Can I just read my Bible, go through it, read it like you read the newspaper, here's some facts, you know the, when you read and your eyes go down the page and you get to the bottom and you've been reading but you've been thinking about something else? And Do you think 
like that? Do you think, well, I, got, I sat down, I went through the motions, I read it, and not consider the internal? Same for church. You come, you sit, we sing. You ever say to God while we're singing, God, I'm really sorry, I was not entering in. I was just singing the songs. Would you help me just to really in my heart rejoice in you as we sing? It helps because it's easy. You get distracted. You slip in, your kid says something or whatever, and you slip into just singing and not worshiping. Something to ask ourselves. What? And if it's true, if this is so important, if this is so important that Paul said it over and over and over and over and over, let's, let's just take it and say, yeah, this is really important. Every day, I want to consider this. As I sit down and read my Bible, as I pray, as I go out about my day, I don't want to forget this. This is important. This is one of God's priorities. And I want it to be one of my priorities. We can just ask Him, God, help me. Make this one of my priorities. Don't let me slip into just leaning in on the externals. You know why I think one of the reasons it's so easy to lean into the externals? is because it's easier. It's easier to get up and say, if, you, if your checklist is read the Bible every day, pray, um, you know, and then some maybe some negatives. Don't yell at your kids today and um, don't speed as you go to work or whatever. Uh, whatever yours are. Those are. If you have a list of external things, and then on the other side, you have rejoice in the Lord always, put others more significant than yourself. Those are harder. <laughs> because you get up and you feel down. It's not like a switch. You know, You can't set an alarm on your phone that says, you know, rejoice, you know, and then, oh, time to rejoice, and then just do it, you know. There's, it's a hard thing. It's much more difficult to actually pray and ask the Lord for help, and, and if you're not rejoicing, you know, meditate, think, well, Jesus, what can I rejoice in today, and, and all the blessings around me, all that you are, all that you've done for me, help me to not just know it, but to rejoice in it. Would you help me today? Because you know what? You, you might sit there for 30 minutes and you feel at the end, I'm still not really rejoicing. And so you go, I've got to go. I've got to eat breakfast. I've got to go to work. And as you go, you might pray on your way to work, God, I'm still not really rejoicing today. Would you please help me? And it might go throughout the day. Whereas if you just have the checklist of read your Bible, pray, and don't speed to work, you can get all that done every time, basically. You know, 99 out of 100 days. And then feel good. It's hard. It's hard. You know, George Mueller said that one of his priorities was every day. His first thing was to be happy in the Lord. I thought that's pretty good. Not just read my Bible, but I really want to be happy in the Lord today. Well, how do we do it? Well, let's just, like I said, talk about some practical steps. The thing is, because it's internal, there's, it's not like reading your Bible. It's not going to be the same for everybody, and there's not a one, two, three, because if it was reading your Bible, I could just say, first, number one, set your alarm. Number two, open your Bible. Number three, read your Bible. And if everybody did that, everybody would have followed it, and we'd be done. But rejoicing isn't like that, because I could tell one person, sing, sing a song. If you don't sing in the morning, it could be good. Sing one, Find a song that really resonates with you, and sing it to the Lord. And for me, personally, when I do sing a song that really has captured my heart lately, and it brings me to rejoicing in the Lord pretty quick, about as quick as anything, but it might not for you. It might be a little different for you. It might help, but it might not be you know, instantaneous. Or 
That, that's one practical suggestion. It may work for you, may not. may not be your personality, and that's okay. Uh, think. It could be think. We could say, get up in the morning and think. Put down in your prayer list, if you've got a prayer list, I want to rejoice in the Lord. Number one, write that. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise God for something. And then just think. Just take some time and think. What can I rejoice in the Lord today? If I don't feel like rejoicing naturally, there's something I, I should feel like rejoicing in. Just look around. I, when we did the series on worship, I made a list of like 100 things. Just easy to make a list of 100 things we could praise God for every day. And they don't have to be all, you know, quote-unquote, spiritual things. It could be coffee in the morning, fresh coffee. It could be quiet when you get up and everybody's asleep. It could be a soft couch. It could be the trees outside the window. All those things are wonderful things, but the command isn't just rejoice, right? It's not just rejoice, not just be happy. It's rejoice in the Lord. So if you get up and you are naturally happy, oh, I'm thankful for my coffee, I'm thankful for uh, the soft couch, well, don't forget, it's rejoice in the Lord. Run those sunbeams back up to the sun. Don't just enjoy the sunshine. Run the sunbeam back to the source, the Son, Jesus, God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and praise Him for all those things. And then the nice thing about this, knowing we just had said this over and over and over for like six weeks, is it says right here in the verse, it's safe to repeat them, right? It's safe. It's no trouble to me, and it's safe for you to write the same things again. So think about it. It's important. A couple, like we said, practical things. Sing, think, just take some time and think. Think about history. We've we said this before. Think about history, what God's done in the past. Then think about the future, what God's going to do in the future. All the things in the Bible that God did, it, delivering Israel, all the way through. You go through every book in the Bible and rejoice in something God did there. And then you can look to the future. What's God going to do? God's going to end all suffering. God's going to end all injustice. God's going to end every wrong motive in every heart, including mine. Praise the Lord. And we're going to be with Him. Praise Him for the future things. And then praise Him for where you are now. Because that may be the hardest thing. right? And we talked about that. It may be that you can praise Him for the things He did in the past. You can praise Him for the things He did in the future. But where you are now and the trial you're in now, it's really hard to praise Him. And you might have to do all that the work past work, forward work, future looking, and then finally sit down and say, you know what, looking what you did in the past, looking what you're going to do in the future, I don't know where this is going right now, but I can trust you and I can praise you and I can rejoice in you. So that's sing, think, pray. Pray. God, help me to rejoice. Just acknowledge it. God, I don't feel it right now. I don't feel how I should about your death on the cross. I don't, I'm not rejoicing and I'm not thankful for it. Would you just help me? We just pray. Praise God in prayer. Ask for help when we don't feel it. What else? We could just say something to somebody. You could rejoice in the Lord by just remembering to say something to your wife every day. Hey, I'm thankful this day for this. Or your kids. What are we thankful for today? You could, you know, you have routines with your kids. You probably ask them the same questions a lot. How'd your day go? Things like that. You could add one more in. You know what I'm thankful for today? I'm thankful for this. What about you? What are you thankful for? Let's, let's rejoice and thank God for that. Let's run the sunbeam back up to the sun and just say, God, you gave us, you know, my daughter just got a big girl bed. You, this big girl bed, who gave it to us? And she always says, big truck. Well, yeah, the big truck brought it. 
And I said, but who, you know, sent the big truck? And we always run through quite a few answers, but we end up getting back, you know, God is the one that gives us all things. And we can rejoice in that. We can rejoice. Well, I don't want to take up too much time here, and there's a lot we could say. There's a lot we could say. Let's close by just reviewing Philippians, okay? Let's just review it. Because let's just go through all the times we've already talked about this and just see what Paul's saying. And just remember, this verse says, it's no trouble to write the same things to you. Write the same things again. And so let's just go through and remember what we've already seen. So let's start in chapter 1 of Acts. And I'm just going to remind you as you turn... Acts. Chapter 1 in Philippians. And I'm going to remind you as you turn there uh, about Acts 17. Really the first thing we talked about was... Paul rejoicing in jail. I don't know if you remember that a long time, quite a few weeks ago now. But we talked about Paul being in jail and singing hymns, chained up. And then there was the earthquake. You remember that? That's Praise the Lord. That's how the Philippian church started. Led to that jailer's conversion. We can remember that. And then let's look at verse 3 and 4 of chapter 1 of Philippians. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every pair of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy. We can rejoice. One way we can rejoice in the Lord is as we pray for people, thank God for them. Every, good, every person in your life was put there by God, and we can say, God, thank you. And we talked about, you might just ask, have you been doing that? You know, we talked about that, I don't know, nine weeks ago, ten weeks ago. For me, the thing that helps me, I'll just say it again, is I put a, in my prayer cards on my prayer app, I have for every single person thankful and needs. And I thank God every single person. I could, I guess I could say that every single one of you, I'm thanking God for you. I really can say that now. I don't know um, that I would have done that unless the Bible was the one giving us the priorities. You know, you need to thank God. You need to rejoice in people. Every single person in your life, you can thank God for something, for, for putting them there, Christian and non-Christian. So what, what can we have joy in? We can have joy, rejoice in the Lord for people, just like Paul did. Thankful for what God's doing in their life. Thankful that, that you know them and that they're in your life. That's one thing. What else? 18, verse 18 of chapter 1. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Is Christ being proclaimed? Remember? The context of this was there was some strife. People were preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry. And yet, what's Paul's response? It's not grumbling. It is rejoicing in the positive, which is that Christ is proclaimed. Remember, this is, comes back to the first things and second things. Well, you know what? At least I'm glad the gospel's going out. That's amazing. Thankful, thankful, thankful that the gospel's going out. Is it not ideal? Absolutely it's not ideal. But you know what? I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm going to rejoice that the gospel is going out. And we can rejoice. Let's rejoice as we see the gospel spreading, even if there's opposition, even if there's rivalry. Verse 22. Uh, sorry, let's read that. Verse 22. If, I'm in, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Uh, let's see, I missed a verse here. Ah, verse, uh, end of verse 18. 
Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So he starts it off by saying, I will rejoice, and the conclusion really of the sentence is, because whether I live or whether I die, I'm going to be delivered, and Christ is going to be glorified. God's in control. He's rejoicing that God's in control. Whatever way this works out, I can trust the Lord, and he's going to work it for good and for God's glory. Whether I live or whether I die, it's going to be for the glory of God. We can rejoice in God's control. We can rejoice in God's, God glorifying himself. God's glory is advancing in the world. It is. Let's see what, where it is, and let's rejoice, just like Paul. 2.2, Philippians 2.2, Complete my joy of being the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Joy in Christ-like unity. What's the, what's the one mind? We know it's, that it's putting others, count others as more significant than yourself, that same mind that Christ had. And when he sees people having that mind, he says, I'm going to rejoice. We can rejoice when we see people with Christ-likeness, when we see people, when we see unity, and when we see people putting others before themselves. We can say, God, I just want to rejoice because you put that there. You're the one working in their life. Thank you for it. And then finally, 17 and 18, chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the, upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you all should be glad and rejoice in me. His joy, he's got joy here. He's rejoicing in others' faith, and he's telling them to rejoice too. He's pouring out his life for others, and when he sees others trusting Jesus, he's rejoicing. Even if that means he's poured out, even if that means he dies, he's saying, I'm going to rejoice in that because I see faith. I see faith in your, in your hearts and in your lives, and I'm thankful, and I'm happy to be poured out, and I'll rejoice. Notice the context as we close of all these things. It's not just joy. It's not, it's not just be happy. In these, look how great things are going. It's rejoice in the Lord. And in, in the background of all these things is difficulty, right? He's, he's literally saying, I'm rejoicing even though I'm about to die. I could die. And it's not going to be pleasant, right? It's going to be painful. It's going to be me in jail and then being executed not only as just death, but dishonor. I'm going to be condemned as a criminal. That's a difficult situation, yet he's rejoicing and he's exhorting others to rejoice. It's pretty amazing when you remember the context. It's easy for me to get up here and say, rejoice, guys, let's rejoice. Things are going good, you know? I mean, we have food, we have shelter, we have our freedom, we, ha- we can meet here together. I don't think there's anybody here who, who didn't have a meal last night. If you didn't, then you probably should talk to one of the deacons because, <laughs> like, we want to feed you. That's not a, you know, as we laugh, I, if there was somebody, I mean, there, it's possible that maybe somebody couldn't go out to eat last night or didn't have money to go to the store. Well, that's, that's fine. Um, we'd love to support you and help you. But my guess is that there's not anyone. And things are pretty easy for us. We should rejoice in the Lord. Not in the easiness. Not in the circumstances. Because if we start rejoicing in that, it's going to be hard when it gets hard, right, to rejoice. 
We've got to rejoice in the Lord now, especially when things are good. Run the sunbeam back up to the sun. Don't just stop at how good things are because when things go hard, you're going to need that practice. You need to work this basically muscle, if we call it, we can call it a muscle of rejoicing. How is your rejoicing muscle spiritually? Is it weak? Is it hard? When you sit down in the morning to rejoice, is it so weak? It's like, man, this is painful. This is hard. When you start running, you know, nobody starts running and thinks, oh, this is really pleasant. This is so easy. It's hard always and it's painful. It's like, wow, how do people enjoy running? It's terrible. Well, as you run and run and run, it gets your those muscles get worked and it gets normal and you start actually to feel good. You know, it's like, wow, this kind of does feel good after, you know, two years or something. <laughs> it's the same with spiritually. We need to exercise our rejoicing muscle. Yeah, it might be really hard for the next month if you get up and you really commit. I want to really rejoice in the Lord today. I want, I want this to be my priority because it's God's priority. It might be really hard. But you know what? It might end up being just like that, running. You know, It's like, man, I am so thankful I did that and I made that a priority every day because now it's one of the best things. It just, it not, I'm not just focusing on everybody's needs. I'm rejoicing in what God's doing in their life and it just gives life to my prayer life. Uh, it gives me energy throughout the day. Helps me. Well, the, this is basically my, my normal preaching where it's like a fire hydrant, like here's probably too much for one sermon, but take what you can, and I hope some of it's helpful. And I'm going to end with this verse from the Psalms. It's really helpful to me. This is, you can turn there if you want. I'm going to read it here, Psalm 16, 8 and 9. Just, just a good verse here, two verses about joy in the Lord. I have set the Lord always before me. 16a, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. We could do a whole thing on this, but I'll just briefly summarize. He's saying two things. He's saying, I'm setting the Lord always before me, and he's at my right hand. I think those are different. I think God can be at your right hand, and you're not setting him before you. That, you know, Psalm 73 is basically saying that. God was with him, but he, was, he didn't see it. And he was kind of rejecting, rejecting it in some ways. He was calling, he says, God, I was like a brute towards you, like a beast. And so, God, if you're a Christian and you're trusting Jesus, God, Jesus, is at your right hand. The Spirit is with you. He's with you. Now, you could not set him before you and not notice that and be walking in not having joy, right? Because you, you're unaware, you're not seeing, remembering, God's with me today. That's the objective reality. Whether I feel it, whether I don't feel it, whether things are hard or whether things are easy, God is really with me. And to intentionally make sure I'm looking at the Lord. I'm focusing on Him. And then, He is at your right hand, the objective. And because He's at your right hand, you won't be shaken. But you know what? You could miss rejoicing in that. And you could forget. And you could be fearful. And you could lose your joy because you're not remembering. Oh yeah, God is with me. He promised. He's not going to leave me. I know that. He's here. He's working in my family. He's working at my workplace. He's working in my heart. He's working in our body. 
God, I'm going to rejoice. And he says, well, if, because he's set him before him, that's his action, and because he's at his right hand, that's God's action, then what? What's the therefore? Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices, and my flesh also dwells secure. If we remember the objective reality, here's God right beside us, and set him before us, remember, God is right here with me. God is working. Therefore, joy in our hearts. Rejoice in the Lord. It's just in the Old Testament version, really, of this. Focus upward, Godward. He's with you, and rejoice in it. Rejoice in what he's doing. He's right there with you. Let's pray. Lord, we just look to you, and we do ask. We don't, we don't do this well. I don't do this well. Would you help me? I want to be much, much better in rejoicing in you every day. Would you help? Would you help us to set us, set, we want to set you before us every day. And would you fill our hearts with joy as we do that? Thank you that you're at our right hand and you're with us always. Even when we don't focus our mind and thoughts on you, you're with us as Christians. We're so thankful. We're thankful you died for us. We're thankful you loved us when we were dead in our trespasses. Thank you for regenerating us. Thank you for putting up with us all the years up until we became a Christian. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for bearing with us in our weakness as Christians. Help us. We look to you this week. Would you make a change, Lord, by your spirit? Would you help? We don't want um, this next year to be like last year. We want to be pressing on and moving Inwardly, in our own hearts, more pleasing to you, would you help? We hand all these things to you. We love you, and we're thankful for you. Amen.